The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. One of my favorite parts of my job is meeting new runners, putting a spotlight on incredible athletes you may not have heard before, or maybe you have, and you're like, geez, Ryan, get with the program. This guy's been killing it for a while. Pretty impressive resume. I'm going to give you just a couple of the highlights. Second at the Mid-State Mile, and that is on this incredibly brutal mile course on Becca Jones. Her parents own this piece of land that's got this ridiculous mile with this crazy climb, and it's this last man standing race. It is absolutely brutal, incredible. He's won the Three Sisters 24-hour, the Black Toe 24-hour. He won the Georgia Jewel from Maryville, Tennessee. Luke Bolschweiler is on the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Luke. Thank you. You have quite the resume Pretty impressive yeah. ultra sign-up stats that would make most people go like, man, I, I hope that the, the boys at ultra sign-up can trade out my stats for his. <laughs> Thanks. But there's got to be a story somewhere. Um, and that's the, the, the coolest thing because you seem to, looking at your ultra sign-up stats, you seem to have found ultra running before the big boom. You know, I think there's a certain point where people go, okay, there's a couple of places they found out, um, whether it was the Born to Run book or the Dean Carnazis book, or the Netflix documentaries. How, Luke, did you get involved with ultra running? My brother-in-law, Aaron Davis, he uh, he got into it before me. Okay. And uh, at, at the time, both of us were really striving for marathon PRs. And uh, he just kept, for about two years, he kept saying, I'm telling you, uh, trail running is so much better than road running. And, um, finally we were trail running once he was out, uh, out in the East mm. on a business trip. And we went running together, um, on the mountains, the sea trail over in North Carolina. Yeah. And, um, he's like, no, seriously, this is a lot of fun. Right. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> and so, uh, that's when I committed to him that I would come run a race with him. So where were you living at this point? Were you in Maryville at this time? Yeah. I've been in Maryville since 2000. I like how you said it, too. People from outside of Tennessee will look at that name and go Maryville. But you can tell you've been there for a while because I live in Clarksville. And you can always tell the people that are townies because they don't say Clarksville. They say Clarksville. And it's Maryville, right? right? Maryville, yeah. (laughs) Some people joke that it's Maryville, but that's, that's... pushing it a little far. It's, <laughs> it's really, most people say Maryville. So you're out near the Smokies, right? Yeah, close. Yeah. So trail running's not a thing for you until your brother-in-law brings it to your attention, but you've got all of these beautiful trails all around you. Yeah. We had done a lot of hiking and backpacking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I, I always felt a little bit, um, like underwhelmed by, by backpacking and and hiking, just because I always felt like I could go so much harder or faster than the people I went with. And so, yeah, honestly, uh, becoming a trail runner has really opened my eyes to, uh, what's possible in in a day, even in a morning, a Saturday morning, a typical Saturday morning for me is usually around 30 miles. Yeah. Um, and it's just so liberating to, run instead of hike uh, because I can go so much further. So you're getting frustrated. You're hiking. You're taking a whole bunch of people with you and you're like, oh, come on. Really? We're going this slow? Uh, Two miles in an hour? What the heck is this? Right. Yeah, I'm like... (laughs) Can we take fewer breaks, guys? <laughs> so you're you're that guy that when everyone wanted to stop, like, let's just stop and eat lunch. You're like, what? We, we just stopped five hours ago. Why are we yeah, doing right. this again? <laughs> I'm like, stop should only be about a minute. 
So I can imagine, Luke, during your backpacking and hiking life, the amount of people who wanted to hike with you started to dwindle. Well, yeah, you know, honestly, um, I just didn't do it as much as I really uh, wanted to just because it was always kind of like this idea that I'm not going to go hike alone. And so I was always trying to figure out who I could hike with. I mean, only I'm not trying to disparage the ability of a lot of my friends, but not, not many of my friends run like I do. And so it right, makes a big right. cardiovascular difference. Yeah, you were having a hard time finding people that you didn't burn through already. They already went hiking with you once, and they're like, ah, so don't go hiking with oh, me. Oh, yeah, there's some friends <laughs> who still, to this day, joke about this one hike that we that they still call the Bolschweiler Death March. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Like, it, it was snowing. It was a late, late spring snow, and uh, we didn't expect snow. You know, I was okay. I was like, hey, guys, we you know, we're planning to camp here tonight. And they're like, camping in the snow sounds awful. And so we, we just hiked back. So how, how far did you drag these? How far was the Bolschweiler uh, death march? I think it was 17 miles with probably about six or 7,000 feet of vert. And, and, you know, full packs because we were planning to, to camp for the night. So... You know, I said, guys, we can, we can, we'll set up camp. We may not have a campfire. And they were like, then no, let's just hike back to the car. (laughs) And I'm sure as they tell the story, the distance has gotten quite a bit longer. Oh, well, maybe, maybe they'll still not argue about the distance, but the, the pain and suffering has definitely uh, expanded. Someone broke a leg. Now, you know, <laughs> you told them to walk it off. So it yeah. turns into 40 well, miles. <laughs> it, it was it was probably several of my friends' hardest, hardest hiking experience ever. <laughs> how, many, how many of those friends are still your friend, Luke? They're, they are a loyal group. They are good guys, uh, but, but they are very hesitant to go backpacking with me. <laughs> so, so, Luke, after you've burned through all of your backpacking and hiking potential uh, partners, you know, you, you, you do this marathon running, you try to PR, you tell your brother-in-law, I'm going to do a race with you, a uh, trail race. What race was that? It's out in Idaho called the I Am Tough. Yes, yeah. And it's it's one of those just beautiful, epic mountain races. I mean, it's not extreme vert. It has, a, I think, 20-ish, 20K. Oh, yeah, it's nothing, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like, it's not like, you know, uh, some of the 30, 40 K, you know, races, right, right. but still, uh, it's a legitimate mountain race and just beautiful views, almost all single track. It's just really, really a great race. You went from marathon running straight to the hundred mile distance. Well, we set that goal about a whole year in advance. Okay, so I right. did, I did several things to begin to acclimate. Uh, I remember um, that same group of hiking buddies, um, they were planning a hike, a backpacking trip. And I said, okay, I'm going to go out the day before and I'm going to do a 40 mile run and meet you guys at this campground. And so uh, like things like that, I started to get a little more prepared. Of course, they were kind of freaking out uh, yeah. when they were like, you're going to go 40 miles and meet us. And, but it was, it worked out well that day. Um, I wasn't, but I warned them. I said, I've never ran 40 miles. Right. So, um, you know, I said, don't freak out if I'm any, you know, I can't remember what time, but like until I'm this late, that's when you can start to worry. <laughs> um, but, but they were worrying anyway. And that, cause they're good guys and we have a lot of love, but, um, then after that, Uh, I did my first time at Three Sisters. And uh, the nice thing about Three Sisters is it's a loop course. Mm -hmm. Every 5K, you come back to the aid station. And so I did my first 100-mile race ever in that 24-hour race. Yeah. Um, So that was really good because I proved to myself I can run 24 hours and I can do 100 miles on it. It was a reasonable course. It's not 
any kind of insane vert, but um, it's not a joke either. Right. So that's pretty interesting. I bet you your friends, though, were really freaking out about the fact that you found out about their hike. Like, they tried to keep it from you. And then, like, how did Luke... We told you Luke's not going on hikes anymore. Who told Luke about this hike? And now he's running 40 miles to meet us there. I thought we were all in agreement. Nobody tells Luke about the run. Well, they're always... I think they're always willing to invite me, but they recognize that I may not want to go only as far as they want to go. Right. So they're, they're like, Luke's going to probably tag on an extra 50 miles that day. <laughs> So you do that and what was what was you go back in time like what was your thoughts about making that transition from marathon running where it's all very serious and it's you know breaking down the stats and the splits and the you know the workouts and switching to the ultra world which you know for the people that are winning western states yeah the world's very similar very regimented and what have you but it is a more laid back atmosphere what was your thought making that transition from the marathon road marathon world to the trail and ultra world what was just so amazing um and i didn't i didn't feel it immediately because the the first couple the the first event i did at three sisters was not super highly attended and it was actually a lot of my friends anyway yeah and so it wasn't a fair representation it was really when i got to i am tough that i really really recognized how different the ultra running world is that, you know, maybe the guy in front is maybe serious enough to like, Oh, Hey, I I don't want to lose to everybody, but almost everybody else is really just in it to do their personal best and encourage everybody. Whereas like, you know, I've done, for example, uh, I've done Boston, I've done some others and there's not a lot of camaraderie in marathon running. It's, it's kind of like everybody's kind of hoping the guy next to him is going to bonk at any moment. <laughs> like praying for it. Well, yeah. what, are you, what are you praying yeah. for? I'm praying for you to bonk. That's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping at mile 21, you're going to start walking. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you see someone start walking at mile 21, everyone by them does that little fist pump. Like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I ran the correct splits and you didn't. (laughs) So you notice that when you're out in Idaho running these beautiful mountain trails, all of a sudden you've got people willing to talk to you other than to to try to discourage you. Like you should totally quit right now because it's going to get rough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People are all like, of course they all do. Uh, There's often a talk like that. Like, Hey, we know what's ahead of us, right, guys? So let's make sure we it, – it's much more cooperative and collaborative. And people are saying, hey, guys, are we going too hard right now? Because if our goal is this, then, you know, it, people are really trying to watch out for each other. Yeah. And, um, and you know, just if anybody gets off course, there's always somebody – hopefully, there's often someone there who's saying, hey – I think you're off course. You know? <laughs> right. right. Or in marathon running, it's like, don't you say a word, he's off course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, how did I Am Tough go for you? I mean, this is the, the you're, you've done some prep for it, and all of a sudden you're in this legit mountain race. Yeah, I got, I think I got ninth overall. Um, I really ran a, um, just a real conservative race, I mm-hmm. think. Um, it was my first time doing anything of that that legitimacy, I guess I'd like to say. Um, And so I remember uh, pulling through the 70th mile and then I was like, man, I still feel pretty good. And so, and I was running a nice conservative pace. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I'm not sure exactly what place I was in at that point. I probably was in maybe 20th place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we had some big climbs ahead of us and um, I just felt great. And I just started to push and, um, you know, it, it wasn't like I was going for top three at this point. I'm right. not like trying to catch everybody, but I remember just feeling I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm definitely going to complete this. I've only got 30 miles to go, or maybe that was actually a 106 mile race. So, yeah. so 36 miles, but, <laughs> um, it was just such a, I remember, I remember, I remember a few of my, like my family who was crewing us 
uh, they're at the very last mile or so that we're on this dirt road and they're like, you're almost there. Kick it in. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really need to kick it in because it's only going to be like running, you know, 15 minute pace versus walking at 17 minute pace. I'm good to walk it in. But even walking in that last mile at a good, nice, fast 17 minute pace mile, um, I remember coming into the end and just going, man, this was so rewarding. It was so hard. And uh, 26 hour, 26 and a half hours, roughly. Yeah. Um, just such a, it was a real landmark, a real, a real moment for me. And uh, it was just kind of now the springboard to consider what else I can do. What was, was, was there a difference in the sense of accomplishment and I, 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 I'm, you know, I think everyone kind of has that. If you've done that road marathon before, and then you know, contrast that to finishing a, a trail 100 mile or any 100 mile for that uh, matter. What do you remember about the difference in the finish line between the two experiences? Oh yeah, very. Now I, I frequently get emotional at the end of hard events. So even like. Um, like my fastest marathon I ever did, I was quite emotional when I got to the end of that. I mean, I was suffering for a good half an hour at least. Yeah. Um, and so I get emotional a lot, but I remember, I remember uh, just as I'm within like the last 10 miles, like every mile I kept going, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. And I would get like a little emotional and I started hyperventilating. I go, hey, calm it down, calm it down. <laughs> um but just the feeling of accomplishment is is so much more grand, um, so much more profound. Uh, and I think it's partly just going through the night the, for your first couple times yeah. is really, really a trial. Learning how to do that and learning that you can do that is such a such an interesting development. It is. It's almost symbolic of like death and rebirth in a way. You know, when, yeah. you, when you go into the night and you're feeling like, my God, I, I've got 40 some odd miles, 50 some odd miles left. This is ridiculous. I'm starting to fall apart. And something about that sunrise just changes your whole world. Yes, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's, it's right around, you know, that 3 a.m., 4 a.m. time when you're thinking this night will never end. But it does. Yeah. And, and and you kept moving through it. And and then you get done to it, get done into the into the morning and you're like, okay, um, I'm really not as tired anymore. I'm I'm back to my normal waking hours and um your spirits just lift. Well, it's you know, take nothing away from the marathon because I think that's something that people will set out to do and it is life changing for some people. You know, they think there's no possible way I could ever do that. They start off running a 5K and they get it in their head like, I'm going to do the marathon. They conquer the marathon and it's life changing. But there is a life changing moment finishing that 100 mile. And I think it's just because so few people do it. And I think even with the ultra running boom the way it is today, where far more people are running hundreds than they used to, you still look at the percentage of the American population that have a 100-mile belt buckle in their nightstand drawer, it's pretty small still. Yeah. And so you're, you've done something that a lot of people believe is impossible. It's just it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a weird little, little feeling of, Wow, one zero zero. That's a weird number. <laughs> and and the first time I did it at Three Sisters, it was it was really surreal to think that I could actually do this. Um, because I remember <laughs> I wanted to quit at the twelfth hour. Yeah. Uh, I think I had done like sixty six miles in the first twelve mile hours, and I was like. I can't do anymore. I'm totally done. And the race director, uh, Kathy, uh, she was just like, you are not quitting. Okay. Uh, cause I, at that point I said, I've done the math. I don't think I can do a hundred miles. She goes, you can do a hundred miles. Okay. You've got 11 hours and 45 minutes left. You can do another, whatever it was. 30. Right four miles she's like you can definitely do this <laughs> and she was right but I, I i thought every lap i'm getting slower so i'm just in my head i'm like 
I'm going to keep getting slower every lap. Right. It's like the, the, some lap I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing, you know, 40 minute miles. Well, it doesn't work that way. They, they, yeah. right. I'm like, I'm going to be crawling for the last 20. <laughs> when did you, and I don't know if we, if we ever figure it all out, but when did it all click for you and you started to see some success? Well, okay, let's see. Um, I mean, it just gradually uh, keep having more and more experiences. Um, I'll tell you, um, the year that really, really locked it in for me, um, I had just uh, completed the SCAR FKT. Mm-hmm. And um, then, and, and that was, for me, big deal. And my training was so good going into the SCAR um, that... Uh, the next time I went out and did three sisters, I remember, uh, I, I got through the, uh, the hundredth mile in like 15 hours and maybe like 20 minutes or something. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a trail course. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, because I had recently, I just before that, I had actually been looking at what is the state record in the 100 mile, and it's set on a course here in Maryville, which is a completely flat – it's called the Pistol. Yeah. The Pistol. Yeah. And uh, it's a completely flat course, and the the record, I think, is 1440 or so. Something. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I can't remember what it is. I remember, though, <laughs> I remember, though, thinking I am literally within, like, 25 minutes of breaking the Tennessee state record today on a course that I did 10,000 feet of vert. And I was like, whoa, okay, now it's starting to feel like this is something I'm really not bad at because I just got the scar. Right. Um, and then and then that, that event, the combination there, I was like, wow, okay, this is something that I'm going to keep I'm not so for. bad. A hundred <laughs> so trail bad. miles in 15 hours. That's not too shabby. I may be okay in this in this <laughs> ultra world. I may have a future in this. Luke, do you remember? Was there something nutrition or was there a new trick in your bag of training that helped you kind of push past a plateau and 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 pick up all that speed and endurance? Um, I think uh, I think I always had. I've always. I don't think I've ever lost my speed from my marathon days. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just learning what, what you can endure. Uh, yeah. What is that, that threshold that you're not going to bring yourself out uh, and, and learning what you're really capable of doing um, that. And of course it takes several races of significant distance to figure out what you can eat and drink to keep you going um, I know a lot of people uh, like to try like fat mm-hmm. style diets, like low carb diets and things like that, or or try to stay all in the fat burning zone. I'm a carb burner. And so for me, it really was important to figure out what are the correct carbs for me. Um, and I've messed it up several times, but in general, I'm starting to, I still feel like I'm figuring it out, but yeah. Um, I'm getting there on, on my nutrition. What's that food for you, Luke? What's the one where you're like, oh, these are these are good carbs for Luke? Well, I I I just recently came back into love of peanut butter sandwiches, but lots of jelly. Uh, oh I mean, yeah, like low on the peanut butter, really thick on the on the raspberry jam. That's a winner because you think about it too. And a lot of times if you're listening to this and you're volunteering for a race in some point, remember this, just put this back of your head. Too much peanut butter is hard to eat. Yes. Cause you're like, yeah, it, it I takes up, a lot I end of water. Up almost throwing it up because it gags me. Right. But if you put a thin layer of peanut butter, and then a thicker layer of jelly, it just all goes down really easy. Yes, exactly. The secret's in the jelly. And it's yes. funny because you'll see, you'll pull up an aid station if you're volunteering, and there's nine gigantic jiffy tubs of peanut butter, 
and there's one they got it from the bulk aisle uh, of jelly. Yeah, that's so it's like, wait a minute, the, the ratio is off here. We yeah. need a little more, a little more jelly in our lives. Exactly. Um, so that peanut butter jelly, but I used to have a little bit of a of a stomach reaction to peanuts for a little while there. Mm-hmm. For several years, I kind of couldn't really eat nuts. Um, and uh, recently, I've figured out a few dietary changes that now I can eat nuts again. And so peanut butter jelly sandwiches have really come back for my one of my favorites. That's interesting. You talk about that, having a sensitivity to, to peanuts and nuts in general. What changes did you have to make to be able to process those again? It's actually dairy. I'm now, I do not drink milk. I haven't drunk milk for maybe maybe half a year to a year, maybe nine months now. And uh, taking milk out of my diet lowered my sensitivity to almost every other food. Really? Yeah. So I'll still eat little bits of little bits of dairy, like a, like a little bit of cheese or something, but I've not had any milk or ice cream, which was really hard to get rid of um, in a long time now, okay. nine months for me. Luke, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your, your life here. <laughs> ben and Jerry's makes an almond milk ice cream, and there's a, it's called peanut butter and cookies, and it's oh. almond milk. There's no dairy in it. That, that's going to be your jam. Okay. So give that a try, and it, it's, it's going to make your life a whole lot better. Because maybe you're struggling through this no ice cream thing. Because you know you're 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 hanging out with your with your wife. You're watching some TV, and she's like, "I'm going to go get a bowl of ice cream," and you're like, "Oh, damn it!" But you <laughs> right. just got you just got to just just try that. Just try that, Luke. Okay. And I'm hoping it changes your life. Yeah, you know, every once in a while, my family will be going out to get ice cream and I'll go along and usually I can find something that's non-dairy and I, I'm I'm learning to embrace these other things. <laughs> Did you grow, you grew up probably in the 80s because we look to be about the same age, Luke. I'm 45. Yeah, okay, so you're, yep, you got two years on me. But growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, like milk was like forced on you, right? There's yes. commercials about it. You know, the, you're, I'm, I'm betting if you're anything like me, the fridge was full of milk growing up and you had oh milk at every single meal. Oh, yeah. I bet, I bet I alone drank a half a gallon a day as a child. Oh, yeah. I remember my mom telling me how, much, how many gallons of milk she'd go through in a week with three teenage boys. And it was like five or six gallons of milk a week. You know, right. <laughs> like, yeah. it would have been cheaper at some point to just get our own cow and put it in the, <laughs> in the backyard and just just get our own milk. But it is interesting because I've cut back on dairy quite a bit, and I've noticed what a difference that makes. By the way, this podcast is not sponsored by the American Dairy Association. <laughs> I, Maybe, we've lost. We also, the disclaimer is we also are not trying to promote almond milk. Right. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. This is not sponsored by Ben and Jerry's either, but that dream I had of getting this podcast sponsored by the American Dairy Association has just gone in the crapper. Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> thanks a lot, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all of that to say, you make this change, it all starts working out, and nutrition's a huge part of it, Luke. It really, I've, I've noticed at races, you've got some really fantastic athletes that suffer a whole lot more than they probably should and tap out a whole lot sooner than they, nor- than they could if they would just figure out that nutrition part. That seems to be just such a, the fitness part, of course, is a huge part of it. The mental part's an even bigger part of it, but nutrition is just such a game changer. Yeah, I, I often tell my friends who are asking for advice on it, and I'll, I'll, the thing I like to say is you've got to be at least a couple times a month going on long enough training runs that you're practicing what you're going to plan to eat in the race. Yep. And they got to be long. I mean, I'm sorry if you've got a busy Saturday or Sunday schedule – you've got to put in those seven hour training runs so that you know, this is something I like even after six hours in. Right. Yeah. You're right. Because if you simulate it on a, on a, on a three or four hour, I mean, that's enough to understand what your body can do. And I think you can train your body to eat and run at the same time. And that's a missing piece of the puzzle too. Some people just can't 
eat and run at the same time, but you got to train your body to do that. But yeah, yeah you're right. Like what is, what is going to be, what's going to sound good to me? What am I going to be able to process? What am I going to be able to use late into this race? Yeah. So I'll tell my friends like that. They're like, oh man, my stomach, whatever. And I'll say, you've got to keep eating all the way through that, that training run as if you're going on for another 16 hours. So you want to get done thinking, okay, I'm, I'm topped off. And so don't like cut it back for the last hour. Yeah. Like, okay, I've got everything I need to make it back. No, just keep eating as if, and so then you really can get a good test. Basically, it sounds like we're doing this just because we like junk food. And this is the only way we've discovered how we can eat garbage and live oh, forever. <laughs> my my wife uh, does not like the example I set for my children. <laughs> oh, man. When you know, I, you shouldn't eat junk food. Uh, Dad does all the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. When I, when I'm, when my training gets above... 65 70 miles a week i just i'm just hungry all day long and so i'm just like constantly snacking on stuff that's not that healthy like what you got to give us a little bit well i i love coke um so i'll have a couple a day of the 16 ounces yeah i'm sorry that i know that soda is probably the bane of our world but for somebody who runs a lot, you know, it's... it's oh, it's and yeah. I mean, Luke, let's be honest. Think of all the things in your life that are better than an ice-cold Coca-Cola after a hot run. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, the list is like, there's maybe 10 things in life better than that. And it's like seeing the birth of your children, you know, your the your wedding day, the first time you laid eyes on your spouse, blah, 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 blah. Number yeah. 10, ice cold Coca-Cola in the red oh. bottle, not the not the diet or, or sugar free, but that no. red Coca-Cola yeah. classic, yeah. ice cold after a hot long run. I hear you. Oh, man. Yeah. And, but so what, uh, my other favorites are, man, I love donuts. So I probably eat 15 a week. <laughs> you, you, you need to write a book, Luke. I eat like garbage and you can too. And I'm still healthy. <laughs> like that's like your plan, right? You know, <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I, I mean, I've actually gradually been losing weight over the last nine months or so yeah and so i'm kind of like man there's really no limit to the crap i can eat right right now. right <laughs> i feel kind of bad because my wife's like just think how much better of, of an athlete you would be if you ate healthy and i'd be like well <laughs> that's when you go excuse me which one of us here has won the georgia jewel Oh, that's me. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, okay. <laughs> See how that goes over? Like, and I'm kind of like, do you know how many, I'm, I'm like, I'm not eating, I'm eating actually because I want calorie dense things. I want a ton of fat and carbs. Yeah. And and if I'm eating an apple, which I love apples, yeah. I eat one almost every day because I just love them, but I'd have to eat like 15 apples to equal those two or three donuts. <laughs> I know it's true. It's like, I need calories and I'm sorry. I don't want to eat two gigantic bags worth of baby carrots to get the right. same amount of calories as two Cokes. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure some, 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 somebody will listening to this podcast and go, I need to call Luke and uh, try to get him to actually eat better because I'm going to rock his world. But until someone actually shows me that it's true, I'm going to go ahead and keep at this for a while. You know, it's it's so funny, Luke, because, um, you know, I noticed that when I am really in it hot and heavy and training hard and I just eat whatever I want, 
ham cheeseburgers, you know, pints of ice cream. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, God, that pint is gone. I thought it was full when I started, right? And you're still like real thin. You can still see your abs and everything. And you're like, I just put away a pint of Ben and Jerry's and I can still see my abs. You know, I'm working hard for this for this ultra thing. But a buddy of mine was talking about intermittent fasting recently. Um, as a way of, of of maintaining weight when your training uh, cycle is down. Oh, when it's down. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So so he he eats um, only between noon and eight p.m. But he can eat whatever he wants between noon and eight p.m. And then he can he just doesn't eat you know, all the rest of the hours. He's fasting. Okay. He says it's a great way to maintain weight during that. So I'm I'm just sitting there going like, hmm, I could run more. <laughs> or I could just eat in a tiny little eight eight hour window, whatever I want. <laughs> well, right now, uh, I you know even though I, I definitely have weekly goals yeah. for my mileage, um, I just love I I don't listen to stuff. I don't I don't need distractions. I love running, and so I can go for a two hour run on a on I, I basically i'm training for about an hour 45 to two hours a day right now. yeah yeah and i can go out for two hours and just be okay with my thoughts yeah um, it's not like i'm having the most profound thoughts either i just enjoy it so much so you're in it for the quiet time some of us are in it yeah. for the junk food but really you think it's at the bottom of luke just wants some time alone how many kids do you have luke is the house that loud where you've got to like no, ah daddy needs some loud. time out and my kids are older now, uh, but uh, my oldest is 21 years old. Okay. Uh, I have four kids, and my youngest is uh, almost 12. And so, you know, it's not like a big noisy house. No. Okay. Is your is your oldest in college? And no. Uh, he uh, He's college age, of course, okay. but he didn't choose to want to go to college. Okay. And he's actually uh, just enrolled over in Nashville Um in a um, music recording uh, school. Oh, so. uh, Dark Horse? Is that what the what it is? Yes. yes oh, he's going to Dark Horse in Franklin. Yes. Oh, wow. That's that's a big studio. That's pretty damn cool. That's Taylor he's Swift excited. records there. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. That's an awesome, awesome little gig. Did you find yourself, though, when, you're, when your child turned 20, that you were like, Good Lord, how old am I? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, age is so interesting. I keep, I keep telling, I mean, people are like, you're still breaking records. I'm like, yeah, for now. Um, <laughs> right, right. But I got a 21-year-old going to work at Taylor Swift's studio. I'm old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, just yesterday, I, 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 I volunteer assistant coach in my, in my daughter's um cross country team yeah uh, high school cross country team and uh yesterday i went out and ran with the boys on uh, on some speed work yeah and i was still able to beat them but i said guys i'm 45 you better be beating me by the end of the season <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> that's gotta be it's funny because my son's cross country coach ran in college and then he stopped so he doesn't have a runner's body anymore. He's a he's a rather big fella, but he keeps r- rolling on those those college age years of like you know guys. I was a two twenty marathoner in college, even oh, though man. that was thirty years ago. You can still whoop those kids and they're like oh, Coach Luke is going to throw down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun running with the boys. Now we're a younger team, and uh, I'm I, but I'm like guys, you got to be beat me by the end of the season because. But they're like, but you run a ton of miles every week. And I'm like, yeah, well, that should slow me down because I'm so tired. <laughs> and I'm old. Yeah, and I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not pretending like I'm young. Um, yeah, you're not I going to get the just for men hair dye. I see some gray in there. I see gray in the beard, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, have any intention of coloring it because I'm okay with, with uh, my gray. Oh, and people can tell. You know, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but no one believes that, you know, you got all those wrinkles that your hair is still jet black. 
Right. Yeah. That, that comes from Those can. Those feet don't work with that color of hair. <laughs> right, right. Your hair was never that black. That's not. <laughs> that's not a color that's ever been found in nature. That is. That is something right. completely different. Um, <laughs> so, you've had quite some experiences in the woods, and, and especially with bears. Oh no! I you know about that. I saw it on Facebook. You had quite the bear encounter recently. Yes, that was just, it blew my mind. Um, I've seen so many bears over the years in the Smokies and other places, but mostly in the Smokies. And I've always told people, give them a little bit of room and they will either walk or run away. Yeah. This time it didn't. Well, break down for everybody what happened. As you were, as years before, you've been going, oh, guys, don't be afraid to run the mountains. Bears are nothing. Give them a little space. They'll go away, and at some point recently, you were like, I'm full of crap because this, this ain't working. Well, what happened recently? Yeah, so um, I was I was running in the Smokies. I don't have to give all the details, but uh, running in the Smokies just started off from my, from my truck at the trailhead, and within a half a mile, I ran past what I think, I'm pretty sure, was a sleeping bear. And um, as soon as I passed it, it – popped out of the weeds into the trail right behind me yeah and uh, i heard it 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 all i heard was a big noise coming through the weeds but it wasn't like i heard it from a long ways off so it probably was sleeping literally within a few feet of the trail yeah so i turn around my headlamp shines right in the face of this bear that's 15 feet away from me (laughs) as as soon as i turn around he makes eye contact with that headlamp and just runs right at me. Um, and uh, now it's it's a juvenile. I, I immediately thought that too. Like this is a this is not a full grown bear. This right. is a juvenile. Yeah. Um, and not that that really made a huge impact on that. Was it listening response. to loud music and smoking? Is that how you knew it was a juvenile? <laughs> Because I've seen some big ones, and this was not very big. That's all I got to say. But, um, yeah, uh, I was able to fend him off uh, with my trekking poles. It was dark. So, uh, it was like like my headlamp was a tractor beam. That combined with the smells on my body, my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, my Gatorade. He just was like, oh, that light source is also a food source. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure his nose was just immediately tractor beaming onto me and um, took me about, you know, a minute to to get him to to give up because he would, he'd back off a few feet and then come at me again and back off a few few feet and come back at me. And uh, I was, I was worrying at that point thinking, this is not going to end because he's not giving up. Right. Uh, this is the but, end of Luke. I've been telling people all these years, just give him space and I'm going to die even though I'm giving him space. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, if I hadn't had my poles, I would have, we would have grappled and it would have been bad. Yeah. Uh, you would have, you would have missed, you would have missed this interview opportunity because you'd be in the hospital right now. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I could have lived, uh, I had nothing on me to defend myself. And uh, now he wasn't huge. You know, I would guess no more than 100 pounds, but still he was fast. And uh, and he has razor sharp claws and teeth. Yeah. yeah. But um, I got him to give up. And finally, I mean, it was just like pulling out the brave heart, like war cry. You know, I am going to. <laughs> die or kill you bear kind of thing it's so funny i was saying the funniest things i was like i don't i can't even remember but afterwards i laughed because i was like i said the most ridiculous things like what are you thinking why are you attacking me you know just so stupid i'm gonna kill you and uh so finally I'm not sure exactly how, but he, he got afraid enough that he backs off a good 30 or 40 feet into the woods. And I think it's over. I'm like, okay, whoo. Like, I feel like this stress headache, you know, yeah. I'm like hyperventilating. And I'm like, 
okay, I think maybe it's over. So I'm like, I'm not just going to stay, sit here. And some people criticize me for trying to do this, but I'm, I just continued on up the path the way I was going. And within just a few seconds, I turned back around and he's coming back at me again. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, I guess he's just like, yeah, that light source that's running away now is also a food source. He's seen you as a giant peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's what yeah. he's seen. He's seen a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with these weird poles and a light. Yeah. And he's trying desperately to get that giant peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the poles. Yeah. So over the next half a mile, I, I fend him off several more times. And, and for some reason he does gradually get easier and easier to fend off a little bit. Like, like he, he must be losing heart. Like, man, this just isn't working, but I'm going to try again. Oh, it's not working, but I'm going to try again. And so literally over the next two and a half miles, he continues to do this to me just every two or three minutes. It was so weird about his whole strategy was he would let me go on and I would think, Oh, this was the time he finally gave up. Yeah. But then I would keep looking back, keep looking back. And suddenly I'd be like, oh, golden eyes, he's coming again. <laughs> and and within just a few seconds, he'd be back within just a few feet of me. I'd be defending myself. Just he was just playing this game like like if I try enough times, it's going to work. <laughs> well, well, some other bears told him a bear inspirational speaker told him to never give up on his dreams. <laughs> I'm guessing it's just the exuberance of youth. Like he's too young to know better. Uh, so we get to this bridge. Um, for those, for those who are familiar with the Elkmont little river trail, there's this really cool, uh, maybe 20, 30 meter long uh, railroad bridge. I think it's a railroad bridge. It yeah. looks like a railroad bridge uh, that kind of has big slats, big gaps between it. Um, and it's it's maybe about eight or 10 feet wide. And I get to that and I think, surely he won't come over this bridge. Uh, but sure enough, right as I get there, I turn around and he's there again. So I have to defend myself again. And then he runs off into the woods. This time I don't see him. So I'm thinking maybe this is it. I run across the bridge, I turn the corner, and sure enough, two or three minutes later, he's running me down again. So finally, I got to this trailhead called the uh, Goshen Prong, which had another bridge. And finally, I crossed that bridge, and he gives up, I guess. Uh, you know, He's still I'm looking sure he for lose, you. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't lose my scent. I'm sure that <laughs> peanut butter smell was still lingering, and he's like, okay. <laughs> Lost, lost the peanut butter. We would like to take this moment to remind you to never give up on your dreams unless you're a bear and your dream is a trail runner that smells like a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> right. <laughs> then please give oh, up on man. your, by all means, give up on your dreams. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was surreal. After, so a few miles up Goshen Prong, I, I finally thought to myself, okay, if I haven't seen him in a couple miles, pretty sure he's not following me anymore. And I never gave up looking back uh, all the way up to the Appalachian trail. I kept looking back like every couple minutes, every minute. Um, finally, when I got to the AT, there were some other people. So I thought if he's still following me there, he's going to attack them first. Oh, and they're slower than you. You know, that right. you'll get them, right? <laughs> there was a family of hikers. So I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I could totally outrun these hikers. <laughs> right. <laughs> the marathoner in you kicked in and you're like, you guys got to slow down. Uh, you're bonk. I was like, uh, just so you know, there might be a bear coming. <laughs> but I'm heading on. Good luck. <laughs> How was the rest of your run after that? After you're fighting off a bear for 30 minutes, what is the rest of your run like? It was, it was a good run. Um, you know, other than that surreal moment of, I was actually harassed time and time again by that bear. It was really a great run, uh, about a 25 miler, um, came back down and, um, I don't, I don't think I have any PTSD. I, I feel good. Um, I, I, I don't think it really got in my head in any way. I think people would criticize me and say, these are the things you did wrong, but in my mind, if it happened again next weekend, I would probably do it just like just like that. But 
I mean, I'm going to go buy some mace. Yeah, I think it's probably a good idea. Did you feel like you had to go on Strava and justify your early run, <laughs> low, slow miles? <laughs> no, because in general, <laughs> it, it still was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but if it had been like... Oh, man, I did that whole run in like 16-minute pace, and I'd be like, okay, I better justify this. Hang on, guys. I want to break it down for you real quick. So those early splits you're seeing, I was fending yeah. off a bear, so those really yeah. don't count, and I don't want yeah. you to judge me negatively <laughs> because of the 30-minute mile that I had for the first mile of this run. Yeah, you know, actually, I looked at my splits, and they weren't actually that bad. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess I was – because I would take a break, defend myself, yeah. and I'd, I guess I'd, I'd eased back in and I'd run hard. I, as soon as – I think what was happening was as soon as I realized that he maybe wasn't following me, then I would start running hard. Were you doing bear intervals? Is that what you were doing? Right. Bear intervals. <laughs> <laughs> Six-minute mile, 15-minute mile. Six-minute yeah. mile, 15-minute mile. Just just working on that. <laughs> <laughs> those bear <laughs> intervals yeah yeah you know they give you they give you a crown if you run a segment the fastest they should give you like a little bear claw if you have there to you go. fight yeah. off some bears yeah <laughs> I, would, I would take it yeah i think you did strava get on that are you paying for strava luke <laughs> i am not paying. okay well you're not going to get the bear claw they only give that to paying customers uh, that's right. a feature for paying customers only what are you looking forward to doing luke in the future what's uh what's on your your plate so my my real focus right now is on september 11th which is my birthday uh, 9 11 um i am running the wasatch 100 out in utah oh wow and uh I'd like to podium. I really, I really would see, love love to get a top three finish on that. Um, and who knows? It might work out. You're originally uh, from out west, right? Yeah, I'm originally from Idaho. Okay, so originally from Idaho, you moved to the to to Maryville, Tennessee. Um, that's right, Maryville. Uh, yep. So, are you could you identify as a, as a beast coaster now, or are you still a west coaster at heart? No, I mean. Yeah, I've lived here so long. Uh, East Tennessee is in my in my heart. It's in my blood now. Um, but quite honestly, um, not having not having an accent sometimes alienates me around here. Um, some people, I think, will look at me and hear me. Not yeah. look at me, but hear me, and just kind of always say, "You're not from around here." And and so there's always going to be that little part that you know I may not. Uh, always be able to connect as deeply with some of the people that view themselves as classic locals. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of live in a similar situation. I'm originally from Wisconsin and and moved down to, to Tennessee and yeah, I don't have a accent. I, I still talk like I'm from Wisconsin, but I found just simply saying to those folks, y'all want to go for a hunt brothers pizza that seemed to win them over. And that, oh, nice. and they, they, they took me right into the fold, you know, going to get that Dollar General pizza. I am blessed to have a lot of really great friends here. Yeah, uh, don't great people. Absolutely fantastic. I, I, you know what I love about the South is, you know, the, the Midwest is, is kind. There's standoffish parts of the country, but the South is a really friendly place to live. There are some people that will tell you their life story in 30 seconds. Yes. And and they will they will take you in as a dear friend very quick. Yes. But they may say, but you're not from around here. Right, exactly. Exactly. Hello, newbie. You're like, I've been here for 15 years. Hello, newbie. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, so I, I'll tell you what, podiuming, if you do get a podium at Wasatch, that's a that's a big deal for someone from out east. I think so. Yeah, um, I'm really having to try to figure out um, my my uh, my training, trying to tailor it. Up. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about uh, the benefits of sauna training mm-hmm. um, as a as an alternative for altitude training. Yeah, uh, David Roche recently released uh, something. Um, maybe you've heard of him. He's a really famous ultra coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I I saw him at Western States. He was lost, and I pointed him in the direction of where the pre-race meeting was. <laughs> That's my one interaction with him. 
That is awesome. So I when I when I call him for an interview and be like, hey, do you remember at Western States you were lost? And there was this doughy looking fella that pointed you in the right direction. He thought that was me. That's <laughs> awesome. Great to see you again. Yeah. So uh, it, it would be a big deal. Yeah. If I could podium at Wasatch, um, people would probably be like, oh, he's from Tennessee. Wow. I hope. I yeah. Mean, not, not, not so much that I'm really looking for other people's acclaim. I'm just... I really want to do it for myself. Yeah. Well, and I think too, they'll believe out there, they'll probably think you have an accent because you've been out here long <laughs> right. enough, you know, and maybe play it up a little bit. Like y'all got any hunt brothers pizza around here. And then they'll <laughs> really think you're a Tennessean. <laughs> Throw out some y'alls. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Where y'all from? <laughs> right. Right. Have you found by the way that y'all has worked its way into your vocabulary? Yes, I use y'all. Yeah, it's, I do too. I love great. it. Well, it's because great. because up where I'm from in the Midwest, the 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 equivalent of y'all is you guys. Yes, same with, same with Idaho. Right. So, in you know, in the woke period now that we live in, someone may be offended if you say you guys because they're like, I'm not a guy. Where y'all, yeah. you can't be offended I'm, by y'all. I am a non-binary. <laughs> right. So you're just now you called y'all as a catch-all. I like yeah. y'all much, much better. It includes everybody. It sure does. It sure does. So Wasatch coming up on your birthday. What a great birthday that would be uh, to, to podium at, at Wasatch. So. What, uh, anything else you're looking forward to? Yeah. Uh, the real, even though Wasatch is my key focus right now, the big adventure coming up is, uh, I'll go ahead and announce it here, uh, that I am going to go for the double scar. Nice. That is currently held by Ryan Melmans? Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's Muleman's. I I know Ryan and I, I called him Muleman's for the longest time and then he told me I was doing it wrong and oh. I kept spelling his name incorrectly and I felt horrible. It's like Ryan, I've known you for five years. Why didn't you tell me five years ago I was mispronouncing your last name? Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Glad you put me straight. Well, no, because I was so, I felt so bad that I had known this guy for five years and he didn't bother to correct me on the pronunciation of his last name that I went through five years of calling him the wrong name. Ah, uh, well, it's close. It's, yeah, it's close. Ryan, you know what? We're going to protect his anonymity and just call him Ryan M. Okay. You're going for, go. you're going for Ryan M's double scar record. Yes. That'll be a lot of fun. That's something that is so cool. And if you don't know what the scar is, everybody, it is the the Appalachian Trail um, section in Great Smoky Mountains National Park. So you run the entire length of the Appalachian Trail inside that park in one push. And it's what, 72 miles? Roughly. Yeah. Okay. And what Maybe is 71 and a half ish? Okay. What is the current FKT on the double scar, which would be 142? Yeah. Um, Two days, five hours, I think. Okay. I think that's it. What are you shooting for? Um, Two days, four hours, and 59 minutes? No, no. I, I think 36 hours. Wow. That, that's, that's, that's what I'm shooting for, 36. That's Babe Ruth calling a shot right there. We'll see. Wow. Um, here, here's, here's why I think it's... It's within me. So I went for the double scar um, last March, yeah. April. It was mm-hmm. April. And um, I did the first half in 17 hours. Then I pulled it out. Mm-hmm. I pulled out. I, I didn't go on. And I, even though I think I've learned a lot about fueling, I made a big classic blunder and I was vomiting and I was like, fine, I'm, I'll, I'll call it today. No, no, no reason to go on. But um, I really felt good. Even at 17 hours, like my legs felt great. Yeah. Um, and so I think the reason why I can do that, whereas maybe other people have to push way too far into the red zone to do a 17-hour scar, is that I downhill pretty comfortably, whereas so much of the scar, um, I think a lot of people are not comfortable even running down some of the hills. Yeah. Whereas I, I run down everything. Yeah. And I don't feel like it really beats me up much because I'm pretty smooth. And so um, going out in 17, 17 and a half, and then coming back in like 19, mm-hmm. that, that's that's roughly my plan. That's awesome. Well, Luke, if you, if you do it, will you join us on the Adventure Jogger to break it down? You bet. That's yeah. awesome. 
Be happy to. This is a pleasure. It's nice to get to get to know you as we're state mates. We're on different sides of the state, but state mates nonetheless. Yeah. Make your way to Nashville sometime. Maybe we'll uh, grab a bite to eat or something. That'd be great. Go visit your son at that recording studio. That's such a cool gig, by the way. He's going to have a lot of stories to share. Yeah, I hope so. He He's passionate about music. Um, and so he feels... I think for, for maybe for the first time, he feels like he's kind of found his calling. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. That's cool. That's cool. Best, best of luck to him. Um, by the way, I, I do work in the radio industry. So if he has any questions about, you know, soundboards and mixing and all that stuff, I'd be more than happy to help him out. Oh, that's awesome. So I'll send yeah, that, you. That's really good. I'll send you my email. Thank you so much, Luke. It's great to have you on, man. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Adventure Jogger. By the way, the uh, Claw Mile is open you can sign up right now ultra sign up go check it out we are 100 listener supported you can make a monthly pledge on our patreon page just search the adventure jogger on patreon or go to the adventure join the community on facebook and instagram by searching the adventure jogger and subscribe to the adventure jogger wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode 